Hello and welcome to Fashion and Foibles. On this episode, the killer corset. Permanent overlapping of the lower ribs. Restriction of the lower part of the thorax, reduction in the cavities in the chest and the abdomen, repression of the diaphragm, compression of the lungs, the heart, the stomach, the liver, are just a few of the many physical elements Ludwig Ophoel blames on corsets in his 1908 work Le Corset, Histoire, Médecine, Aging. Apologies for the undoubtedly incorrect pronunciation there. I assure you, I am trying my very, very best. The change in the method of lacing came about with the availability of metal eyelets. These metal reinforcements meant that the lacing could be pulled taut without damaging the garment. And this made it possible to cinch the waist and create that famous S silhouette we see depicted in so much media from the 19th century. But was it as dangerous as many contemporaries and even modern historians claim? Ophollowell's representation of the corset is a wonderful example of the dramatic and frankly theatrical depictions of the disfiguration tight-lacing corsets supposedly caused. We cannot deny the hyperbolic style he writes in. There are many instances of his written word that lend themselves to this sensational tone, grasping for the reader's attention and giving what we might call today shock value. He writes such things claiming that so-called bad corsets slice near the armpits and cause crumpling of the breasts. And this sort of writing style isn't all too dissimilar to that of the stories of damsels fainting from their tightly laced corsets, which are just that. Stories. There is no proof this actually happened. But I think we can safely say a follow-well style of writing is something you expect to find in a fantastical novel or even a tabloid paper, but certainly not in a medical journal. And bearing in mind, like many of his contemporaries, Ophollowell blamed the corset for causing so many diseases which we now know were completely unrelated, like tuberculosis. We can see that this interpretation of the tight-laced corset holds little root in scientific fact and relies heavily on personal conjecture. The evidence Ophollowell does present is a selection of x-rays taken of women in corsets. These x-rays definitely show a significant waist reduction, and the shape of the ribs, rather than being more oval like they would be naturally, are more spherical, being moulded into the shape of the garment. But hold your horses. Before you take this evidence at face value, let's take a moment to think about the dramatic storytelling style he writes in. There is a good chance that this has also carried into the x-rays. He may well have specifically chosen the corsets that gave the biggest waist reduction, far from what the average person would have ever worn, all to create a visual spectacle to support his own claims. Yet, while a follower's images may be a selective exaggeration, there is still physical evidence to support that wearing a corset for a lifetime did alter the bone structure. Now, just to be clear, 
I'm not talking about these teeny tiny 14-inch corseted waists that were depicted by sketches and fashion magazines and photographs of the 19th century. They are now widely regarded as mere whimsical depictions of the ideal, with a little help from some very early Photoshop. Not exactly reality. However, in Rebecca Gibson's paper, Effects of Long-Term Corseting on the Female Skeleton, she does observe the physical moulding of the ribs and the spine after a lifetime of corset wear. In her study, she looked at skeletons from both England and France, which ranged in age and class, the youngest being possibly 28 and the oldest maybe over 60. We do have to acknowledge here that the estimated ages of the skeletons vary significantly. This is because it is difficult to determine an accurate age, especially considering that the bone from the cemetery in London were definitely not in the best of shape. All the skeletons she looked at were from women who died between 1700 and 1900. All the bones demonstrated a similar deformation. The ribcage had been moulded into a more spherical shape, like but not as extreme as Ophollowell's x-rays. Occasionally, the 11th and 12th pairs of ribs were considerably more deformed, being pressed until they sat almost vertical. On top of this, it was also noted that the spines were misshaped, with the spinous process deformed downwards and laterally, presenting as flattened and overlapping each other, and producing a distinct, highly angled appearance consistent with that of long-term corseting. This demonstrates that corseting for an extended period of time did have an impact on women's bone structure. Yet it's hard to blame this plastic deformation solely on the tight lacing of corsets. Rickets was very common during this period, and although the dubbed pigeon-chested silhouette that was synonymous with rickets is not apparent in Gibson's findings, if someone were to have rickets and then be corseted, their malleable bones would not hold their shape under external pressure from the garment. And likewise, vitamin D deficiency was extraordinarily common, with people wanting to catch the sun as little as possible, especially those in the upper class, and those women would have also been the ones to wear the tightest laced corsets with the most waist reduction, which were highly fashionable, but did restrict your movement. However, that's not a problem for these ladies, as they had servants to do everything for them. But this lack of vitamin D leads to bones being far more susceptible to being shaped by these corsets, the vitamin D deficient tight lacing upper class in particular, whereas someone with a healthy amount of vitamin D and much stronger bones may not have had the same alterations to their ribcage under the pressure of the corset. But do these skeletal deformations mean tight-laced corsets were deadly? Gibson's research ends up by demonstrating quite the contrary. Many of these women whose skeletons she was studying actually lived beyond the average mortality for females of their time. So, despite the changes made to the bone structure, tight-laced corsets did not cause an early death. But as Gibson points out, there is one bit of central information we are sorely missing when it comes to talking about historical corsets. And that is the voice of the women that actually wore these garments. Now, this void is primarily due to, you guessed it, the patriarchal system of the time. 
The way to get one's opinion voiced or heard by a larger audience in the later years of corset wear was primarily through writing letters to your local newspaper. But most of the journalists were, well, men. So a lot of what we do know from the women's perspective, whether for or against the corset, are almost all filtered through a male writer. And even then, most of them don't go into what it was actually like to wear a corset on a daily basis for the average person. It's just a sea of highly opinionated statements and sensational arguments. Fortunately, in this day and age, we have many a dress historian and corset enthusiast to speak up on behalf of those in the past whose voices may have been lost. For instance, Bernadette Banner, a dress historian who spent her teenage years in a back brace, or as she dubs it, effectively a corset, is a huge defender of the corset and the complete lack of danger it possesses. In her video, I grew up in a corset, time to bust some myths. She even praises her back brace corset as supportive. It did wonders for her posture and actually provided an intrinsic sense of comfort. Morgan Donner, a maker of wonderful historical garments, conducted her own personal experiment and wore her corset for a week in her video, I wore a corset for a week. Spoiler alert, I didn't die. While this is not the same as a lifetime of wear, she does provide us with some insight into what it's like wearing a historical garment for an extended period of time. In her final conclusion, she emphasises how comfortable it was, even giving more chest support than your average bra. But she does mention that the situation would be quite different if I were in an ill-fitting corset. That really brings us back to when I mentioned earlier, a made-to-measure corset is essential for comfort. Without that tailoring to the wearer's figure, the experience of wearing a corset could vastly differ. We all know that feeling of buying a pair of shoes too small. Imagine that with your whole torso. So while tight lace corsets might not be deadly, it could certainly cause significant discomfort if ill-fitted. These experiences and experiments do give us a little more insight into those wearers of corsets throughout history. But we are still missing a lot of information from the period itself, and many areas have yet to be thoroughly researched. But I'm certain I'll be coming back to the subject of corsetry at a later date. But for now... While we might not know the details of the quality of life these women had who were tight-laced into their garments, what we do know is that the corset was not a killer. For anyone interested in any of the sources I called upon in this podcast, all the links will be over on my Instagram at Fashion and Foibles Podcast, and you can also find me over on Twitter at Eleanor Anwen. Why not come on over? Let's have a chat, a ponder, a discussion. And with that said and done... Until next time. <laughs>